We are delighted now to have with us Mr. Panos Laskaridis. Mr. Laskaridis, as we all know, he is a major ship owner with a very large uh, uh, industry footprint. But above and beyond, Mr. Laskaridis has been involved with the shipping industry. Uh, he has been the head of the European Community Ship Owners Association. Therefore, he has participated and influenced the uh, shipping community from an institutional capacity. He is going to talk to us about one of the most critical topics today, the European Union maritime policy and its effect on the European and the global merchant fleet. Uh, with all the regulatory trends going on today, this is a key point. And uh, frankly, we couldn't get a, a, a better expert than Mr. Laskaridis. Mr. Laskaridis, thank you for being with us and uh, the floor is yours. Good morning, everybody. Nicola, thank you very much. First of all, I would like to thank you for allowing me to participate in this very interesting conference. And it's, it's an honor and it's a pleasure. Um, the subject of the discussions, yes, is European maritime policy, the challenges it faces. And I should say straight away that my, most of my knowledge and my experience stems from the times that I've spent being firstly vice president and then president for two years and now again vice president of the European Communities Ship Owners Association. Clearly, this was a very intense learning period. And I should say from the Greek point of view, uh, perhaps this was quite a fortunate time because simply uh, Greece had not had the chance to have this position for a very long time. The last time we have held the presidency was back in 1993 with my friend and colleague John Liras. And it was about time that we should actually regain this position. Now, during these times, I've been quite acquainted with the challenges and the major issues. And though the major issues and the major themes of the European policy have not changed considerably in subject, they have changed very much and they change and they continue to change over time in intensity and general interest. Uh, right now, we all know the main subject of the debate in shipping generally, but more perhaps in Europe, is the issue of climate change. And there are also other issues and I can very quickly enumerate them. It's of course, first of all, the climate change, the issue of the greenhouse gases, which is, which is one huge subject. Then there is what we call the social agenda, meaning what happens with those who sail on the ships and who work in the shipping industry. We then have the broader issue of the competitiveness of the European fleet and whether it's in a good shape or not and what can be done or should be done to keep it up. Uh, the next question is a very important issue which does not attract much attention these days but is the so-called single European window which basically aims to streamline regulations across the transport chain. And then, of course, there are several other, perhaps minor issues, which from time to time flare up. But even the minor issues are in some 
way or another related to these above four main issues. So let's take an example, the issue of the European state aid guidelines, which is of course of huge interest to most nations, but especially to Greeks, do relate to the competitiveness of the European fleet and is considered a necessary tool to keep the competitiveness and improve it. And there is a whole political discussion about these, which I will refer to at a later stage. Now, above all, above these challenges, there are some issues, very major issues, which do not particularly contain the European politicians or the regulators, but they are of huge importance to the shipping industry and especially to the ship owning community. To name but one, the issue of whether shipping should be happy or should be uh, contained with the distinction between international regulations and regional regulations. Shipping is squarely and with one voice in favor of international regulations. We fight for these and we fight against regional regulations, except it's not always easy to achieve this. Most people, I think almost all people outside Europe promote the same idea, international regulations because shipping is simply an international business. And if God forbid every region of the world has its own regulations, I think that soon enough affecting a commercial voyage with a ship will become impossible due to bureaucracy and paperwork. Another huge issue which we have to press and try to establish and achieve is to make the Europeans, the European politicians, the regulators, the governments understand that in today's world, shipping is just about the only one very potent weapon which the European community possesses absent any common defense, economic, foreign policy, its main strategic value is its huge fleet, without which, as goes the, prover the proverbial saying, half of the world would freeze and the other half would starve. So, as you see, there are some major issues also which are in favor of shipping, but which do not necessarily fall under the, the, the interest, let's say, of the European uh, powers and the European regulators. So these few words as a general introduction, and perhaps you would like to proceed with the individual questions. Mr. Laskaridis, you uh, brought up, uh, first of all, uh, I would like to repeat something that everybody knows. You are very passionate, you're very insightful, but above all, you are a man who has opinions and um, exactly the industry needs guidance and needs opinions to move forward. So it's always a pleasure to have you here because we, we hear a straight talk from you. You, you touched upon a number of uh, points. I will start with the last one, uh, the issue of uh, regional versus international regulations. Uh, yesterday, uh, Mr. Venyamis, the president of the um, Union of Great Ship Owners, came out with a very strong statement, as you did, in favor of having international regulations and having an international level playing field for the industry. 
Uh, I don't know if you would like to elaborate more on that, or I can start with uh, a couple of questions. Well, just, just one phrase. Uh, of course, I and almost all of us fully concur with our president's views. There's no question about this. And thank you very much for your complimentary comments. Uh, the reason I have strong views is that I slowly get quite old. And then it doesn't really matter whether people agree with my views or not. So uh, if I were younger, I would be probably more, more careful. But yes, by all means, let's let's start the question. So, one of the one of the topics that you uh, touched upon is the environmental agenda. Can we go a bit deeper into that? Sure. Um, let's make a quick uh, a quick view as to how this has developed in terms of the shipping industry. Um, as you know, uh, most environmental discussions have started back in 2010 at the Paris Agreement. At that agreement, about 190 countries in the world debated the inclusion of shipping in the <clears throat> environmental uh, issues and decided that they should leave it apart simply because they felt that shipping was a, a benign enough activity uh, in order not to be included. However, of course, the pressure has mounted it has mounted from regulators, it has mounted from politicians, and especially from NGOs and the public and the environmentalists. And of course, shipping had to take a position. Over the first long periods, until some time ago, uh, shipping had taken a position. It, it had a unified position, which said that uh, being a international and responsible industry, we of course understand that we must do our part in participating in the whole effort to change the climate situation. Uh, we were prepared and we stated this very clearly that we will do as much as is fair and equitable to what we contribute and we know that shipping contributes only a tiny 2 point something, 2.3, 2.4 percentage to global emission of CO2 but nonetheless, we will do our best to comply with this and if possible, even exceed it. Now, in the last periods, several complications have arisen. One relates to the uh, point I've mentioned of international various versus regional regu regulation. As you know, the IMO has, um, has come to pass a system of collecting data, the the um, CDS, the data collection system, the DCS, data collection system, which will operate worldwide, whilst Europe had previous to that introduced its own MRV system. And whilst there was an agreement between Europe and the IMO that the IMO would give time to the, sorry, that Europe would give time to the IMO to see how the system would work and would give it time until 2023 to decide whether it would wish to align the two systems. Uh, this has not happened. And now we have European politicians, especially who would like to avoid aligning the two systems, which would obviously be a great uh, success. Why they want to avoid aligning the two systems? Because they wish to extract more data from the ships, especially about the cargo the ships carry. This shipping does not want because obviously the kind of cargo uh, does not particularly 
uh, impinge upon the emissions is the actual ship which emits the CO2, its engines. So there is a big difference uh, in that area. The main area, the main point of difference is that Europe, I believe for political reasons, believes that IMO is not quick enough. Uh, this may be so, but IMO has to re regulate the entire world, whilst the European Commission and the European Parliament have only to regulate Europe. And clearly, again, it is much more preferable to have a global regulation than a regional one. This creates, this creates uh, an additional difficulty. Uh, finally, we have the unfortunate situation that we now have a new European Commission under a new president, which was elected with the votes of the Greens. Obviously, she, she has made several undertakings to the green political area, and she has, with a kind of uh, increased vehemence and increased pressure, come out uh, in favor of some measures which shipping is totally against. The main one of these, obviously, is the ETS, the emission trading scheme, and in the last year or so, there, is, there are huge discussions about this. Shipping, I believe, says uh, this can only pass over our dead body, look for something else. Shipping has made several construct constructive uh, suggestions and contributions, like the introduction of a levy, like the introduction of a research fund, which find great attention and acceptance from many other parts. But Europe sticks to ETS, uh, although I believe they start to see now that this is not a good idea, especially as more and more uh, large international organizations related to shipping, like charters bodies or others, uh, come out against ETS. ETS is simply a tax collecting instrument. It is not a, a measure to improve either the emissions or improve the environment or do something about these two issues. So we are dead against, uh, we are dead against the ETS. As a side issue, we also have, which has a bearing to environmental matters, we have the issue of the ship's recycling, where again, Europe has its own views and has gone so far to legislate uh, uh, draconian uh, measures against European flagships, whilst we have the Hong Kong Convention waiting to be ratified and which takes care of this uh, system of ship re recycling and scrapping in a, in a way which is acceptable to the whole world. So these are, these are some indications uh, about uh, the difference and the, the, the challenges which are being posed because of the, let's say, political, um, the, the, the political aggression of the political, uh, let's say, zealotism of certain politicians. And unfortunately, contrary to the previous European Commission, we now have a commission which is fanatically uh, influenced by the green movement. Uh, that's not a bad thing in itself, but they are driving it to extremes. And also we have difficulty now reaching out to the transport commissioner in order to influence her to, to look into this matter more seriously. So these are some of the challenges. And 
if the ETS were to pass, then I'm sure this will be very detrimental to, to the international uh, uh, trade. Critical topic and uh, thank you for your, uh, for your comments. So now let me move on. And uh, you talked about also the social agenda. Mm. If you can delve into that now, please. Right. Uh, okay, the social agenda, uh, as I said before, deals with A, the seafarers, but B, also the people who work in the shipping business and, and what, to, what is to be done with them and about them. Now, for a nation which uh, operates purely or, or, or basically in ship owning as we are, and where we either have few Greek uh, uh, crews and, and, and seamen, but the vast majority comes from uh, outside Europe, this may not be such an important and, and large issue. It is, however, a large issue for several other nations in Europe, especially <clears throat> nations which engage in inter-European trading, in coastal trading, in, in, in the channel uh, uh, traffic, in the Baltic traffic. For them, these things are much more important because they, have, they are obliged to have local seamen and they have to look, to look after them. And there are many issues which are intertwined. A, what do you do about the welfare and the well-being of, of the serving seamen? And what do you do about recruiting and trying to make the profession more interesting for young people? And what precisely are the measures that you have to take? And there we talk a lot about political and union measures, which do not apply so much to, to our Greek situation. So, this is a typical example of, of a major issue, which for us Greeks does not have such an important role to play, but it is very important for other nations. And there is a, there is a continuous discussion with the authorities, with the regulator, with the unions about all these aspects, how to improve the education of seamen, how to improve their education in view of the fact that we obviously all would like them to continue being in shipping, in our offices or in other businesses, in consultancies or, or, or elsewhere, after they leave the active seamen service. And this, and this needs some kind of additional uh, attention and additional training, um, the salary matters. So this is a complicated agenda, which, as I said again, because in the Greek fleet, we have a lot of, the vast majority are foreign seamen. But also we don't have the peripherals, the, the shipping cluster that much developed in Greece is not so important as it is for other European nations and EXA and the whole, let's say European decision-making progress about shipping considers this as a very, uh, a very important uh, issue. Thank you. Uh, we are, uh coming up uh, to uh, our time limit, but uh, we have uh, some time left. Okay. Uh, there are two or three more questions I'd like to uh, Very, uh, yeah. uh, You touched upon the competitiveness of the European fleet and the state aid guidelines. If yeah. we can talk about that uh, a little bit. Very, very, very quickly. The competitiveness of the European fleet is an extremely important problem, uh, extremely important issue. Uh, two years ago, uh, EXA conducted a, a very uh, broad uh, um, research on this, and we have found out that there are several other 
uh, extra European uh, shipping centers like Dubai, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Singapore, and Vancouver, which offer uh, better uh, terms in terms of uh, taxation, in terms of uh, uh, labor relations and labor conditions, etc., than Europe. The problem is proven by the fact that out of the international growth of the merchant fleet worldwide, two thirds of the ships go to extra European shipping centers and only one third goes to the European shipping centers. And therefore it is considered that it is very important not only not to abandon the policies of, of uh, assistance, but to maintain them and improve them. And one phrase only about the European state aid guidelines, I'm sure everyone, every participant knows and understands what these are. Uh, the, there are some efforts, despite the official line from the Commission, and, uh, and this follows from uh, Mrs. Vestager, who used to be, as you know, the, the competition commissioner in her previous term, and is now the uh, president of the Europe, sorry, the, the Commission, uh, she continues in, in this role, um, that she declared not wanting to change anything in the st uh, state aid guidelines, except uh, there are some uh, feeble efforts under the term of harmonization to interfere with this. Shipping is obviously against it and doesn't want anything to change. The state aid guidelines should remain. They are a very important tool to continue and to nurture the competitiveness of our fleet. So going to the next question, you talked uh, about the single European maritime window. I think that's another very important topic. This is a this is a, a very easy to understand thing, except it's very difficult to do. What we mean with a single European window is to streamline the procedures and documentation <clears throat> over the whole transport chain. For the moment, the ship, the cargo is arriving at the dock to be loaded on the ship during transit, during the arrival and the custom procedures in the arrival port, the discharge and the onward way to its final destination. Right now, all these procedures and all these documentations are different. This creates a nightmare for everyone involved. And we are, of course, mostly interested uh, in our captains overworking and overloading, having to deal with all these different papers. Uh, work is ongoing. There, have been there has been some little success in the past. There, there, there is a European directive called the European Directive directive for more efficient um, regulation, I believe it is called, but we're still uh, uh, quite a way off. And, and, and obviously this would uh, increase the efficiency of the transport chain tremendously. So this is what we mean by European single window. Great. Well, uh, we are, I hope you don't mind me Almost asking done. one last question that I find very interesting. Somebody submitted it and he said, Mr. Laskaridis, do you believe that if the European Union imposes stricter measures to all vessels trading in European Union ports, that this could actually create a competitive advantage to all those operators complying with those stricter standards? I'm not so sure I understood fully the implications of the question. Um, I certainly don't believe this. Because, as I said, even if this would drive some people to, let's say, sharpen their pens and, and, and become more competitive and, and of better quality, uh, the damage it would do by introducing regionality 
in shipping uh, would be far greater. There is nothing worse than having different rules for different places. And not that other areas are, are not guilty about this. Uh, if you take, of course, the United States, you have also a big uh, basket of regional measures there about <coughs> the OPA, about the, <coughs> the ballast uh, water treatment uh, way and, and several other things. But uh, this must be avoided at all costs. And I will close by uh, asking you the question that I also asked Mr. Pateras. Greece is the leader in terms of ownership, more than 20% of the global fleet. But it doesn't seem that we have a proportionate influence on the industry's direction, especially when it comes to those uh, regulatory organizations and so on. Can, I know that has been a topic that you have uh, talked about uh, repeatedly in the past, and I know that you approach that topic not as a Greek, but as a global industry leader in terms of what's good for the industry. Well, uh, of course, to, to go deeply into this question, we would need, I would need to take a whole morning, and I certainly don't want to do that, but just, just telegraphically, the reason why we Greeks do not have the influence we have is twofold. First of all, we don't have a large shipping cluster as other countries have, as Europe has, is the first reason. And the second reason is that traditionally and historically, we have been quite close to ourselves. And this dates back from the days when shipping was not in the, in the full light of, of the politicians, of the regulators and so on. These things have changed for good and they've changed forever. And therefore we must also change. If you look at the, at the Greek ship owners of my age, we are still stuck with, with the mentality of the past. But our children and the young people do understand and do feel that we must come out of this and Greek shipping and Greece and the, our union must uh, become more aggressive and more open and present our views on policy and strategy. And if there's one little thing I believe I have tried to do and I've learned from my service in Europe was to press and, 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 and beg rather my colleagues at the UGS that we must come out with our own positions. Until now, until before some time, we've only defended ourselves and we've only condemned and, and commented on the positions of others. But it's time that we, in the, in the industry, we don't only have the position of others, that we should have the Greek position and others should comment our position. There have been movements in this, there has been change for this, there have been, um, there have been papers and positions of the Greek uh, shipping community in the IMO and in other things. So things start to move and I hope that with our youngsters, this will gain more and more um, speed and momentum. And this is the right way to go. Uh, staying closed and thinking that the world is not looking at us is, is gone now, it's finished. The train has left the station. Thank you, Mr. Laskaridis. This has been, as always, a truly insightful uh, discussion. You, you always bring uh, tremendous uh, leadership and clarity to, uh, to the discussion. Thank you very much. And by the way, I'd like to say that what we're trying to do with this forum exactly is to showcase the thought leadership of Greek shipping. We have over 50 principles on the various panels. So we're trying to do exactly what you said, be proactive, come, uh, come through with positions and ideas. At the, uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, Greeks are the 
leading owners, so therefore they can be the leading thinkers in this industry. So thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, thank you very much, Nicholas. It was a pleasure and an honor to be with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So we'll take a 10 minute break and come back. Thank you again. Thank you.